Hello, and welcome to the Boost Over Ball podcast. Overball podcast. Today, Ace and I are absolutely thrilled to bring you another awesome interview, this time with Sean Stacks, Stackhouse, as we talk to him for about an hour about everything having to do with him, his life, his casting experience, and everything in between. So without further ado, we will jump right into the interview with Stacks. Doing good. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you as well. Hello, hello. You have a good holiday? Yeah, it's always oh. nice to, to take a break and say Absolutely. It, see family. I hopped on Rogley after a, a break and realized that I shouldn't have taken a break because I didn't get any better. <laughs> <laughs> I feel that in my soul. Do you have any, uh, do anything fun over the holidays? Uh, I beat my parents in Phase 10. That's that's about the extent of my holidays these days. I lost my parents in Phase 10, so I feel you on that one. Oof. It's a rough one. You should have a parent-versus-parent tournament at this point. All right. I don't think my parents would do particularly well. Yeah, well. I'm a realist. That's fair. But thank you again for, for agreeing to do this. We're, we're so happy and excited to, to be able to talk to you today. Oh, yeah, my pleasure. I always yeah. love it when people reach out and are like, hey, come on a podcast. Like, ah, oh, people know who I am. Oh, it's amazing. <laughs> of course we know who you are. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I... I we got to see your, your work firsthand at uh, Worlds, which was both of our first uh, ROCS event. Oh, nice. Where was How'd that? How'd you like Dallas? the, uh, you know, the 15, 20-hour uh, Sunday? I mean, I, I enjoy all of it. I It was a longer day, but I, I, don't, I don't mind. I didn't mind it at all. You know, without having anything to compare it to, because, you know, as, as he said, that, that was our first experience. I was down for it. I mean, I can, I can, I can stay in an adrenaline-fueled screaming state there for 15, go. 16 hours. There we go. Besides that, here. 
that that moist and uh, that moist and furia game was enough to keep energy going for you know the next week. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, we we didn't really need any energy for the for the grand finals, so. No, <laughs> yeah, no. Know, right? <laughs> those could have just not been played. <laughs> so unfortunate. Yeah, they're they're on another level. Yes, they are. But without further ado, I figured uh, we we'd open it up by getting some background information on you. Um, for people who don't know who you are, you know, kind of explaining who you are, how you got your start, so to speak. I know that you uh, do both conventional sports and esports. Yep. Yeah. Uh, boy, where, where do I even start with that? Uh, I mean, I've, I've been doing commentary in some form or another since I was in high school. Uh, so we're talking about 20 years now. Uh, started doing some play-by-play on uh, the local access TV station that the school or high school operated. Uh, the very first thing I did was a voiceover for golf, um, which was absolutely awful. Um, <laughs> I tried to imitate every golf announcer you've ever heard, just really being quiet like this. And then when I watched it back, it was easily the worst thing I'd ever seen. Um <laughs> after that it literally was only uphill from there uh you know we uh i did a lot of uh soccer and basketball some football uh, just anything the school competed in i probably did commentary for it at some point and i think that kind of helped me through college having you know the, like a wide array of experience and then fast forward you know 20 years later uh, Rocket League is happening and I feel like those experiences kind of helped me adapt and adjust to going from sports to esports okay and was broadcasting uh, something that you kind of always knew you wanted to do or was that kind of something that you kind of grew into as it as it happened I always wanted to be in media in some form. I think when I was in middle school, there was more I wanted to like be a writer for Nintendo Power. Like I would always you know, take out the latest edition out of the uh, the school library, or at least what it looked like the newest edition. And uh, yeah, I, I wanted to maybe do some writing for some gaming magazine somewhere. Play by play, that didn't really flourish until high school but then yeah once i got into high school it's like dude i i want to be like you know uh jay billis or dick vital you know one of these guys jim nance you know doing the final four doing the big college basketball game of the week you know i want to be on espn and nothing can stop me except my own laziness and unwillingness to actually put a resume tape out after I got out of college. Fair. I mean, I know that it's probably, it's got to be a competitive field, especially oh, doing like ESPN and things like that. So it's, it's, it's probably quite daunting as you, as you kind of try and get, get out there as a, as a commentator or analysis. And yeah, the, the, I mean, the, the biggest challenge was being willing to 
leave this little nest here at home. Because uh, I, I had, you know, I had my hands in, you know, a lot of different pots. Like, I was, I was working, I was doing some public address announcing. I was working with the school, uh, the, with the schools, kind of. I was working in the rec department. Uh, it's like, I can get by on all of this. Okay. And if I leave, this might not be available if I need a safety net to fall back into. So uh, I ultimately just stayed home and continued to do the small stuff that I'd been doing because it was safe. Makes sense. So then how did you make the jump from from more like a, of a conventional sports background to eSports? Uh, first and foremost, I got very lucky. Uh, you know, Rocket League came out, and I had played it for, I don't know, a year or so. And, you know, I saw the videos on YouTube with Trinovi and Subpar and all those guys. And uh, didn't think a whole lot of, you know, the bigger picture until, I don't know, Spring, like after the launch of RLCS, and, and I, don't, I don't think I watched much of the first season, um, but more tournaments seemed to pop up, and more broadcasts seemed to pop up, and so, you know, middle of the day, I'm watching, uh, you know, a European tournament in the afternoon, a North American tournament in the evening, and I'm just thinking, you know this might be something I can do. Worst thing that happens is I fail horribly. So, uh, you know, I recorded, like, some uh, voiceovers of the uh, of the VODs. I did a bots match that I think I still have somewhere hiding on YouTube. I don't even know if it's public or not. Um, and just sent that around to a few of the people running these uh tournament orgs and I got picked up by uh, Mocket the uh, the owner there liked what uh, what I submitted and immediately started working with Azale and uh, I mean I, I think the two of us absolutely killed it and uh, for several months it was just you know I'm the guy with Azale every week that was like the you know, kind of the top spot with them. Yeah, I remember. I remember hearing some of those broadcasts. I similarly got in pretty early. I didn't watch as religiously as I do now, but I remember some of those market broadcasts, and it always seemed. I don't know if unattainable is the right word, but it always seemed so like it'd be a cool job to be able to to kind of mix, you know, the conventional sports, you know, analysis and commentary with esports. Yeah, and, and for as bad a reputation as, as Mocket had, and, and it certainly earned it, uh, outside of one little meeting where, you know, Marshall kind of said the wrong thing, they, they didn't treat me badly at all. Uh, I don't think they treated many of the people that they were paying badly. It's just they treated the community badly, and that's why a lot of us wanted out, and we formed Nexus Gaming, and then everything really snowballed from there. Like, that was when... We kind of got out of that shadow, and it's like, oh, we can be part of this community now, and uh, and that's when 
all the stuff with Rocket League Central happened and Gfinity and, and all this, and I got to feel like a, quote, real Rocket League commentator. Yeah, that makes sense. And then kind of focusing in a little bit more on Rocket League, you, I mean, I, I know that you play some. Uh, what rank are you? Uh, on a good day, I'm low champ. I, th I think right now my rank is, like, stuck in diamond something because I I don't play nearly as much as I used to. Um, I think the uh, the hard reset way back uh, when they went free-to-play, uh, which feels like forever ago, just absolutely killed me. Yeah, I'd gotten to within five points of the old GC, and then I ran into, like, Texas A&M players... And I'm like, oh, well, this sucks. And then I ran into them again. This sucks even more. <laughs> and, you know, I ended up, like, dropping down to low champ three. And then somewhere I think I ended up, like, champ two. And then just hard reset. Oh, I'm diamond now. Well, this sucks. So, yeah, it's been it's been tough to find the motivation to get back on the grind to try and get back up there. But, uh like, I, I feel like I'm, like, champ game sense with silver mechanics. I I, I feel you on that on a spiritual level. Uh, yeah, that, that hit me right in the bones, like, down to the marrow. Because <laughs> I'm in that same spot. I'm, like, low champ, high diamond on a bad day. I'm lucky if I get an aerial to go right, but I'm usually in the right spot. Yeah. And, you know, and, and I... I know that there are a lot of people out there that go, ah, he's not even GC. How can he commentate on Rocket League? Like, listen, I watch so much of this stuff. Like, it, it's it, it's not my job to break down the or every minute detail of how Squishy uh, came back and got, uh, you know, he did some kind of zap dash or donkey dash or whatever you want to call it into a backflip ceiling read. Like, I I don't care about that stuff. He hit the ball and went in the goal. It's one nothing. Here's what this means. That's what Daz's job is. He can break down all the other stuff. Yeah. That's a, that's a good point. I don't think people kind of realize and that, you know, you don't necessarily have to be a mechanical expert to, to do it. I mean, there's certainly... You know, they have broadcasters on ESPN that aren't experts in, you know, basketball or football or what have you. They just, you know, they're there to provide, you know, context and generally entertain people. Yeah, I'm very lucky that we have a great team of casters that will have those discussions with us. You know, like, you know, I'll, I'll listen to Johnny all day talk about play styles and uh what works and and why this guy is a good fit on x roster and like we all feed off of that everybody kind of helps each other out with um you know the i guess the finer details and um i, I don't know that that necessarily exists in a lot of other fields because i think a lot of those can tend to be a little more cutthroat competitive and have a lot less teamwork involved yeah, I I could see that. And then similarly on the the Rocky League thing, you know, and seemingly underqualified. Um I am a collegiate Rocky League coach for a smaller 
school in Michigan, and I know that you also coach. I believe it's MCI. It's yep. a boarding school. Yeah, it's it's like semi-private. Like we we take all the local district kids in, like any public school would, and then we have dorms for for private school uh, for boarding students. Okay, and you coach their Rocket League team. Yeah, I kind of run the whole esports program there, which for a while was just Rocket League, and then uh, we kind of had a wave of kids come in that are like, "Hey, uh, Splatoon and Smash, you can play those, right?" <laughs> yeah, sure. Yeah, I I know that they're video games. <laughs> That's a good starting point. Yeah. Um, and, and actually, we just won the uh, the Smash Ultimate State Championship this uh, past uh, month. So. Oh, congratulations! Uh, yeah, thank you. Uh, we got two super stud freshmen that are just carrying us, which. Love I'm that. I'm fine with this. Yeah. And it's oh, high school, fantastic. so they're, so they're not going anywhere. So you got them for more. You got them for <laughs> three more years. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. So you also mentioned, did I hear Splatoon? I, you heard Splatoon, yes. There, uh, there's a competitive eSport for Splatoon? There is. Oh uh, my, I yeah, have to watch this. Boy, have I gotten a lot of mileage out of the Splatoon meta subreddit. Uh, just trying to <laughs> give these guys any advice I can. Uh, one, one of the coaches in the PlayVS Discord told me, uh, look, if you really want to find kids that might be into Splatoon, just find an Apex player. I'm like, why? Well, they'll just make a good gunner for you. I'm like, okay. And there's this one kid that like has kind of been in and out of esports over the past year and a half, and uh, I know he's big into shooters. And I asked him, like, hey, do you play Apex? He's like, yeah. Well, great. I don't have an Apex team or anything, but Splatoon? And he stepped in, great leadership role, like kind of picked it up very quickly. And I mean, we're a playoff team out of, you know, I think we made, uh, I think we were 47th out of 200 some odd teams. I mean, anytime we faced the top 25 to 50, we got our butts handed to us, but we made it. So I was pretty proud of the guys. That's awesome. Have you found uh, have you found that rewarding? Has it been kind of challenging in its own ways? Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's great watching the kids take on new challenges too. I mean, we we've got uh, one kid that I mean, he will just play everything. We got a couple of them, but you know, there's there's one that's kind of been there since day one, and it's just like, uh, you know, oh, you need a Splatoon player? Sure, I'll hop in. You need a Smash player? Yeah, I'll fill in. Uh, you know, he's primarily a Rocket League guy, but uh, he will he will jump in wherever he's needed and take on a lot of new challenges. Uh, a lot of these guys have in the improvement in every title that we've competed in uh, for that kid in particular and for uh, a lot of the other guys has been awesome. That's great to hear. I mean, it's I, I, I can echo you sim it, in a similar way that... Uh, it's fun to watch them grow as individuals and as humans in addition to, you know, being able to, to play a game that they're passionate about, you know, competitively. Yeah, yeah. And, and we're getting kids that you know, have never done anything interscholastically at all, which is even better because, like, we're, we're giving them something to do. And, uh, I mean, we, we had one kid, there's a senior last year. We probably could have won the Smash Championship 
in the previous spring as well. It's just we ran up against the state champs in the quarter. Uh, the ult what ultimately became the state champs in the quarterfinals, and uh, my senior didn't get to go because he was third player. And with the format, if we lose the first two, then we're toast. So you know, got, you know kid. Struggled with a lot of games, but picked up Smash really well. Never dropped a match in the third spot in that anchor spot for us. And I just couldn't get to him. And I was like, ah. And I had to sit in the uh, the Level Next studio in uh, in Columbus, I think it was, watching that. I couldn't actually be there in the room with him. So that was a little extra painful. Yeah. But I'm, I'm glad you seem to enjoy it. I'm glad that uh, you guys are performing well. And it's certainly... I, I assume it's got to keep you pretty busy as well. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, just <laughs> Monday through Thursday, just right out straight. It's crazy. Fair. But uh, kind of transitioning over into Rocket League, you've uh, kind of been fortunate enough to wear a few different hats for them. You've, you, you hosted the World Championships. You've been a, a commentator and an analyst doing analysis is there kind of a, a role that you would that you like doing the most or are they just kind of good but different in their own ways uh I, i've come around to really enjoy the uh the semi-stage hosting stuff that i've been doing uh i i toyed around with it for a while thinking you know maybe i i want to you know go full bore and and kind of be like Almost like Golden Boy, where, you know, it's just, I, I'm out there, I'm on the stage, not necessarily doing commentary as much, but I do still love the casting. So it's it, it's tough to give that up. Uh, but, you know, that, that rush of having, like like in Rotterdam, just standing there in the, uh, in the walkway and the fans literally all around you, uh, it's... It's this rush of adrenaline that uh, I sorely miss every time I get back home. Yeah, I mean, I, it's certainly a... I, I can imagine being an immensely different atmosphere, being in the center of everything by the players versus being up at the at, at the booth. Yeah, and, and when, you're, when you're in that position, too, like, you do see how much this means to them. Like, we're, we're very close to them uh, backstage. I mean, we can we can kind of hear some of what's going on. We can sometimes see what's going on. Uh, you know, they're under a lot of pressure and they handle it far better than I think anybody realizes and probably far better than anybody that age should. And, you know, when, when, when it comes time to bring them out onto the stage, I mean, everybody involved with the show understands this is, you know, one of the most important moments of, these players lives we need to make sure we get everything right and so i'm just hoping every time we just do right by them because they're the real stars of the show i'm glad to hear you to hear you say that and bring that up we talked to uh coach lbp of the former renegades coach a couple weeks ago and he kind of comes at the coaching from more of a, a a mentality side and he he was he was able to bring up all the different stress that the that the players are under and what you know he tries to do to help combat that but 
I mean, it's got to be similar for you guys. You guys face all kinds of stress with everybody that's watching, you know, in the arena, if it's a LAN online. I mean, they were getting – the World Championship had, like, 200 and something thousand uh, concurrent viewers during the Furia Moist match and, you know, plus the, you know, whatever, 10,000, 16,000 people that were in the building. I mean, it's got to be stressful to to do that. Or do you not – do you kind of – are you able to block it out and – not really notice uh i feel like i'm able to block it out for the most part i mean i you kind of have to be aware of it because you use the uh, the crowd to some extent when you do a cast like that but uh i, I i've been in arenas before rocket league was a thing in my life where you know we've had three to five thousand people and i think that's kind of helped uh, steal myself a little bit for this kind of experience and it's well i don't think it adds extra pressure necessarily there is kind of that thought in the back of your head like well we are going out to the live audience as well so if we if we screw up First of all, they're going to know, and then the viewers at home are going to know, and then it's just going to get memed on forever. So, no pressure. Just don't suck. Just don't suck, yeah. That's my whole Rocket League career. <laughs> <laughs> That's advice a, a bunch of us uh, like broadcasters and announcers up here in Maine give each other all the time. We just go, oh, big game. Don't suck. <laughs> and that's kind of like, is that the broadcaster version of, like, break a leg, I guess? Hey, just... Pretty much. <laughs> awesome. So then this gives me a bit of a question then. Um, do you um, do you ever get, like, I don't know, most people, like, look at public speaking as, like, this ter terrifying thing, right? Um, did you struggle with that at the beginning of your career? Is it something you trained out of yourself, or were you just always comfortable uh, talking oh. in front of? massive amounts of crowds yeah all the time i suck at it i really do um <laughs> it's like like here's the thing a lot of the time i'm off camera and thank god for that because i i mean they give us these cue cards that we can hold and i could kind of cheat off of them but uh no every, every time i go out there i mean i'm more nervous doing those intro bits than i am doing the casting because casting is just okay you know i've done this a bunch i got it you know, I know how to cast a game of Rocket League, but those, uh, you know, the team intros or, you know, the uh, the throws into the game where, you know, you know, this is Rocket League and, and all that. Getting the timing down just fills me with so much anxiety. That's that's probably the worst part of it. It's, it's like it's a hard timer that I kind of have to hit. And um, that's not something that. I necessarily got out of public speaking when I was in college. I took one class, and it was okay, but we were never under the, the time constraint pressure of like, all right, yeah, you've got to give this speech, and it's got to be 90 seconds. Like, uh, okay, none of that. So, um, you know, it, it's, been, it's been a learning experience since, uh, really since the L.A. major. Actually, L.A. wasn't really – it was um, it was London was when we really started uh, having to worry about timing. 
and uh, I, I, there's always been a great uh, staff behind the scenes making sure uh, I know how much time I have, making sure everything else runs as smoothly as possible, and at each venue we have like a different stage manager that you know will like give me hand signals and tell me if I need to speed up or slow down, and it's like oh. This is a godsend. Yeah, because I I just uh, I was just thinking about this. Um, London was kind of the one of like the, the first one back, certainly after after COVID with all the fans there, and I feel like as Rocket League went free to play, as they kind of gained momentum as a as a tier one esport, that a majority up until that point of the the competitions have been all online. So I'm sure that it was maybe a little bit of a switch to go back to having all the fans there and having to to be as precise as you are. Yeah, and and, and there was so much pressure on the Winter Major in L.A. because uh, that event needed to be great because it was our it was our first one back with fans. It was like... I mean, I don't, I don't know how much I can talk about what I know from behind the scenes, but, like, it was, it was a process getting lands approved because, look, there's still a pandemic going on. And, you know, there's still, uh, you know, COVID is still ravaging everybody's immune systems, whether they're vaccinated or not or whether they've built up any kind of immunity or not. So, you know, it's still a risk running these events, going to these events, and... Yeah, there, there's a certain liability there, and L.A. was kind of the, uh, I, I guess Sweden was kind of the test run, um, and then L.A. was like, all right, let's take the training wheels off, let's let's bring the fans in, and you know, first touch being outside, I mean, had the college game day vibes, uh, the the matches themselves were incredible. Uh, we had that great moment with uh, Queso and SSG and, and that image of the crowd just going nuts. And, and, you know, myself, Daz, and Turtle there with them behind us. It, it was just, I mean, that event probably could not have gone any better for what it was and what it needed to be. And then, yeah, London uh, running it back at the Copper Box was, I, I think, exactly what everybody wanted. Oh, for sure. I I definitely, I think that uh, LA was, I don't want to say a turning point, but like really, I feel like the eSport gained just so much more momentum after, you know, being being allowed to be back. Like the crowd was awesome. The yeah. broadcast was fantastic. The matches were m- much better than we, we could have ever hoped for. And I think that London kind of continued on that being back at the Copper Box, like you said. So, and then, you know, culminating in the World Championships, I think that was the biggest one that they've had and... You know, I certainly oh, yeah. thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyed my time. The matches were great up until the very end. The broadcast team, the venue, everything was great. So I'm very excited to, to see. I was excited to see Rotterdam do so well. I'm excited to see what San Diego can do. I think that there's no really nowhere else to go for, for the for the broadcast, for the sport, than up. Yeah, definitely. They and they put so much uh, work into that world championship too. Like it was obvious that this had to be something truly special. It had to be unique. It had to be so much different from anything else. And 
they they made that feel like it was a special event. It was the biggest Rocket League event ever, and uh, again, we we had a fantastic crowd for it as well. Yeah, and so I mean, we we talked about those, but looking back a little bit, kind of on your time with RLCS. Um, you've kind of been involved in casting commentation commentary since since the beginning. You know how how have you seen it evolve over time? Uh, the way we the way we view the game has changed so dramatically. I mean, I, I remember casting when you kind of had to manually control the camera, and then you know when when auto cam and director cam came in, it's like, whew, okay. This is sick. Uh, when when I started in the Rival series, uh, the rotation we had was basically there was only one person who was ever like truly off. You had your you had the host, you had your two commentators, and then one of the two that wasn't on camera was doing the observing. And uh, and if you ever want to figure out which matches I observed, just look for the worst ones. Um, <laughs> then. We kind of started getting uh, dedicated observers, started uh, really focusing on the observer features. And then after that, it was like, okay, what do we do now? Like, how do we, uh, how do we take this to the next level? That's where someone like Crasher comes in with all the wizardry that he does putting, putting on a show. And same with, uh, with Ben at BNTSW. Um, just uh, and and Gummer as well. I mean, we've got so many awesome observers. If I listed them all, you'd run out of time. Um, and then after we figured out how to present the game from a visual perspective, uh, I think we've there was a point where we were really heavy on stats, and we still kind of are. But now we're trying to look at advanced stats now and try to identify you know you know how much boost is too much boost uh you know does, does this person go for boost too much do they not go enough why are they always on zero why are they always on a hundred why is this person always back where are they in relation to the ball and and it's that kind of nerdy advanced stat stuff that just makes me all excited because you know i I'm a baseball guy, you know, the, as much as the analytics have kind of ruined the traditional uh, sense of baseball where nobody will ever complete another complete game, perfect game, no hitter ever because we're all worried about pitch counts and exit velocity and everything else. Um, the fact that we are smarter than we have ever been when it comes to those sports and now with Rocket League uh, is a lot to be excited about from my perspective anyways. Yeah, I mean, it's equally as exciting as a player, as a coach, and I'm sure for, you know, the like RLCS players as well, that it's the advanced stats for Rocket League are so easy to, to get for everybody, right? It's like you upload your replays to ball chasing, and ball chasing gives you all that information, your positioning, your boost usage, your, you know, stolen pads and all that stuff so it's exciting that you know you can kind of use the similar statistics that they, that they use in rocs to improve your game to learn more about your play yep. style exactly and 
and they're more reliable than the the normal stats, right? I mean, sometimes you don't necessarily know what a shot is or what a save is or why somebody got an assist when they clearly didn't deserve one. But, you know, when I can go to, like, the semifinals of Rotterdam, I can look at Gen G phase, and, you know, I, I can just see, all right, you know, this this team got a little more boost than the other. And I know that that's how many boost pads they picked up. That that doesn't get missed in the uh, in the calculations. And uh, being able to look at that and, and try to identify exactly why a result went one way over the other and, and look at those little details, uh, that's where I'm going to have my fun. Yeah, no, I, I get you. And for me personally, I, I like to use with, with my players because, you know, a lot of them are very focused on score, right? Like, not necessarily yeah. the score of the game, but, like, individual <laughs> player score. Yeah. But it's like, you know, my, my my the example that I always go to is, like, Rizzo. Back, like, back when Rizzo was playing with G2, he wasn't putting up, like, you know, he wasn't getting MVPs. He wasn't putting up, like, five 600 points. He was, you know, but he was getting those midfield clears, the midfield challenges, the infield passes that led to passes that led to the goals kind of like that hockey secondary assist. But I'm like, there's so many things that don't end up on the, like, Rocket League score sheet, so to speak, like the scoreboard. But, like, you can influence a game in way more ways than they show. Yeah, and I think Rizzo is kind of a perfect example. I think he was, like, uh, this is going to sound really bad, but he was the best worst player in the league. Like, he was very clearly number three behind... Jane Apps in Chicago, but he was still, he would have made any other roster better. It was just, uh, I, I always liked that, you know, he kept going for as long as he did because there were, there were always a lot of people that for just whatever reason, they, they could not wait to get rid of him. You know, G2 fans, they couldn't wait to get rid of Drees. They were kind of waiting for Rizzo to go away and, you know, they pick up Squishy or Garrett or somebody else. And it's like, appreciate what you've got, you know, and, and eventually came around, they got Atomic. But, you know, just appreciate what you got because Rizzo would have made any other team better. And uh, he had quite the nice little career for himself. He certainly did. I think he really unlocked that roster too, allowing Chicago and JNAPs to kind of do the things that they have become known for. So. Definitely. So. Um, you know, you, we've been talking about like how it's changed from the beginning till now. And I mean, it appears that the, to me, from my perspective, it just seems like the, uh, pro RLCS, uh, rocket league is only growing at this point. Um, when you first started, did you imagine that you would be standing somewhere like Rotterdam or, um, at, uh, where the heck were we, Dallas. Kyle? My, Dallas. Thank you. <laughs> That's how my brain doesn't work. So, yes, uh, did you imagine that you would be standing in front of that many people, uh, staying on a stage as well-built as these are, and just, like, the, the amount, the scale that uh, this uh, pro scene has, has come into? It was certainly a hope that, you know, it was like, hey, if we're going to have, you know, these big events and world championships, they're going to go to a lot of cool places. I'd love to be a part of it. Um, realistically getting to that point and, and staying there, no. It, it's it's not something that you necessarily expect to happen. 
and and where where we've been able to go i mean between uh poland for intel world open uh going into the middle east going to saudi arabia for gamers eight uh you know just all these places around the world that like 20 years ago coming out of high school if i thought i was going to go to those places i'd go join the navy or something and uh this has just opened up kind of a, a portal to the world and you know we, we're kind of I, I feel like we're checking off continents at this point it's like okay when are we going to australia when are, when are we going to south america when are we going to go to asia and like do an event you know proper in in tokyo or something it's like uh all, all these things that because we've had these great experiences everywhere around the world it, it just makes us want to experience more and you know i, I think a few of the guys kind of have these bucket list locations that they want to go to well that's that, that actually makes me even more curious than uh, about this and it's a little bit of a side topic but do you get a lot of time on like i don't know before the event or after the event do you get to actually spend a little time exploring the areas that you guys are at i don't normally um look i'm usually there the day before rehearsals and then gone the day after uh championship sunday uh you know otherwise known as monday dear lord um uh so I, I don't get to explore as much i mean at worlds we certainly got to because we had uh we had a little extra time with it being two weeks uh Katowice was just gorgeous because we we went out for the for the i guess the qualifiers for iwo and then uh we had like two weeks maybe three while the street fighter guys were doing their qualifiers and we just got to stay there and explore poland which was amazing and then uh every other event you know it, it just kind of has been show up work maybe if it's early. rotterdam was actually kind of nice because we we had some extra time to uh you know get together for dinner or go out exploring a little bit uh, but otherwise, when we have events at normal times, no, it's just show up, do the job, go home. Some of the guys do take extra days. I usually can't. <laughs> so uh, I would love to, though. Like, if, uh, if things work out well for San Diego, I think I might be able to spend maybe an extra day or two. But, um, yeah, it would be it would be very, very nice to do that either – there or the spring major or worlds okay so then that that kind of plays pretty well into into my next question um do you have a favorite i mean you've casted more than just rocs stuff uh so i guess pro rocket league event that you've uh, been a part of oh man um i mean by default the world championship was or, you know, the most recent world championship was just by far the coolest event I've ever been a part of, uh, followed very closely by the other two majors that I, I was a part of that season. Um, before that whole thing though, I, I mean, just being part of the rival series was a, a great experience because I mean, that show should not have succeeded at all it was 
it was understaffed. It was at times I feel like underpromoted. It was uh, you know the fans didn't necessarily respect it until these teams started popping up and sending the established pros into early retirement. It was very, it was very much a B show, but I felt like it was probably the best B show in all of esports, and and that's because everybody involved worked laboriously to put this thing together and make sure it was a success. Sometimes in spite of itself, and then seeing the players that I had been casting come up the ladder go into the RLCS and especially the BDS guys, you know, especially Extra and Monkey Moon, uh, to see that all cap off with them lifting the trophy in Fort Worth was, uh, I, I had butterflies. Yeah, I mean, I, not a lot of people realized I, you know, I don't have a tremendous amount of social media reach, maybe a little bit more now that we do the podcast, but I tweeted out at the event, I mean, Extra was part of that AS Monaco team that went, you know, 0-12, like yeah. less that than team was, that team was awful. Like, they were horrendous. He, Extra has no business being picked up by, you know, one of the best teams that we've ever seen. And all he's done is just be a dominant force with monkey. Mo- I just, I mean, it was like, that, it was like that 18 months. Makes no sense to me. It was like less than two years. I think it was like 19 months or something like that. That extra went from being a, you know, Owen 12, like historically, like improbably the worst Rocket League team of all time, professional Rocket League of all time, to maybe the best Rocket League of all time, the best team of all time. Yeah, well, well, Monaco will never, uh, <laughs> that team will never have reached the depths of Incognito in the Rival Series, but yeah. I mean, it, that's fair, as, but as like on the RLCS professional stage, go, though. Yeah, as far as RLCS teams go, yeah, that, that team was, that team was not great. I mean, there are a few that, there were some real stinkers in the early seasons, but um, yeah, that that turnaround for for extra is just amazing. Yeah, but I mean, we we've seen a couple of those, like the you know the peeps uh, coming up from rival series, yep. uh, the rise of Rettles, uh, you know, yep. to SSG. I still think that was a, maybe a mistake to drop him, but you know, I you know don't know about the dynamics and all that stuff, but. You know, I, I enjoyed watching Splice coming up. I Karma, Jay Wismont, you know, I've been fortunate enough that he goes to a, a college uh, that plays against the one of the, the plays against the school that I that I coach. So I get to, you know, seen him up close and personal. And it, it's cool to be able to watch, you know, ha- having seen some of the people that came through the rival series find success. Yeah. And, and to see him still competing at a very high level is awesome uh i i like yeah i loved that splice team and i was it was very sad when they went up and came right back down and then you know came oh so close time and time again to getting back into the big show and just you know i mean they unfortunately they found ways uh, they, they made they made failure in art form unfortunately and uh, uh i I just felt so bad for Karma because I know she took it really hard every time they got so close and, and didn't get back up into the RLCS. Yeah, and I, I still think that that Splice team had one of the coolest uh, decals in, in the yes. game. Oh, yeah, I still rock it every now and then. Yeah, it. but, I mean, that, that it was what Karma, Nose Dude, and Jay Wismont. That was a yep. 
I, I enjoyed yep. that team. I enjoyed watching you on the, the Rival Series broadcast when I got to see it. I almost liked watching the Rival Series a little bit more. Just I felt like everything was a lot more competitive. Yeah, it, it was uh, – for me, anyways, it was fresh. You know, it, it was not watching the same – what I felt like you know, a handful of washed-up players competing with, you know, the, the real big boys um, in the RLCS. Uh, you know, that, that got stale for me after a while. And so seeing these new faces in the Rival Series and some of the old faces as well still hanging on and, and trying to show that they still got it. Uh, Metzenoris comes to mind. Oh yeah, uh, you know, with, with his resurgence. I mean, I mean, first of all, the fact that he ever got dropped from that complexity team was just baffling. But uh, all he's done throughout his career is just continue to grind, continue to compete, and, and he's been a credit to the sport. And uh, seeing those guys come back up through the rival series and the way they've competed in a format that, like when I look back at it now, I realize it was objectively awful. <laughs> I mean, it was torturous for some of these players that, you know, you've got to be the absolute best or you don't go up. You you know, you've got this very small window that, you know, your career is either going to take off or you're going to be spinning your wheels in the mud. And And now with the open format, it's, Look, if you can play, then by God, you can play. Yeah, for sure. But, like, transitioning a little bit there, do you have a either favorite or most memorable desk or land moment that you've uh, been a part of or had? Oh, uh, land moment. Probably doing the Friday Night Duels at Worlds was, uh, th th like, that whole process. Like, not just the bit on the stage, but everything leading up to that. You know, where, like, where Ian comes in and goes, uh, Hey, Stax, like, can, you, can you do a voiceover for this trailer? Like, yes. <laughs> I thought you'd never ask. <laughs> and... And then, you know, seeing that all put together and then, you know, being trusted to just kind of go off the cuff some a little bit and, you know, give these kind of outlandish intros to the players. Uh, and then seeing it play out, I mean, sure, it was one-sided in the end, but uh, the matches were highly entertaining for me. I think the, the people that stayed that night got treated to a, a real cool show that's i think between that and season six worlds opening the show with subi are, are going to be forever my two favorite land moments okay i mean that makes that makes sense I, I i can't imagine uh being able to do that it, it must have been a surreal experience yeah and and especially with with subi at season six like we you know we we hit it off in the rival series and I, I was really worried because when we when the rival series started, like Nexus and PRL were two very different entities, and yeah, they butted heads every now and then. You know, uh, you know, Scheist and, and Carrie had their disagreements every now and then, and that kind of trickled down to us uh, minions in the orgs, and so. You know, I see the rotation for, like, my first show, and I, I can't remember. I think I might have been with Unthink at one point and then with Subi. 
Zuby is by far the nicest guy I've ever worked with in any environment. He is funny. He's kind. He's awesome. Like, just immediately became my best friend. And then eventually getting called in to uh, fill in for the Season 6 World Championship, getting to work with him and, and knowing how much that meant to him, uh, it was just all sorts of awesome. Oh, I bet. And I guess kind of piggybacking off of that, I know uh, after the World Championships, Jorby uh, tweeted about it quite a lot, about the, you know, the kind of the imposter syndrome that he has the maybe the the most iconic quip about you know this is rocket league it's a quick chat in the game do you share any of that sentiment being you know one of the in my opinion and i'm sure in a lot of people's opinions one of the premier voices on you know rlcs you know you're you hosted the world championships you have a very distinctive and uh a very distinctive voice and you know being a part of it is it kind of has it kind of gotten to you like that? I mean, yeah, I, I do have moments where you know, I, I look back and just wonder, yeah, how am I the guy that ended up here? Um, but, uh, you know, I, I joke with Shogun all the time because I, I know he, uh, like, he cringes when I when I do the This Is Rocket League thing because, you know, he's like, yeah, well, mate, that's two people now that have made a career off of that line. And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> yep, it is. And I remember after, like, immediately after season five, like, I, I, I don't know if he had tweeted about it or said it somewhere. He's like, I hate that line. I hate that I'm known for that. And I'm just... so when L.A. came around and it's like, well, how do I welcome the fans back? Well, obviously, this is Rocket League. It's a perfect tagline for the sport. And now I just... I, I try to get a cringe out of Shogi every time, and, and it usually works. And half the time, it's him casting when I throw it to them, so <laughs> even better. That's uh, awesome. But, you know, as for, you know, feeling that, that imposter syndrome and, you know, uh, yeah, there's a little bit of that. I think it's impossible to avoid. But at the end of the day, it's like all of us worked incredibly hard to get where we're at. And uh, nobody, at least speaking for myself anyways, nobody's going to take that away from us. And uh, there's there's a certain level of pride there knowing that like all this hard work has resulted in this. And you know, we've kind of we've trusted the process. We've gone through the peaks and valleys. We stuck to it. And you know, here we are. Now, how do we continue to change the game? How do we continue to evolve and stay ahead of everybody that's kind of chasing us from behind? Yeah, no, I mean, it's... I I, I could understand where the kind of the imposter syndrome comes from and the, maybe the cringiness of it, but, I mean, as a, as a pure fan and as a Rocket League player and as someone who's involved in the scene, it's, you know, kind of gives goosebumps, right? It's It was such a you know in the moment emotional you know line and it's kind of transcended just rlcs to you know being in the game as a quick chat so i i i can't imagine it any other way i mean it, the line still takes me back to you know sitting in my room at home watching on my phone screaming at the 
you know, at the screen, you know, when when Justin scored that and watching that. So it's, I don't know. I, I just, I can't imagine it happening any differently. I, I know, right? I, I keep thinking, like, if it was anybody else who was on that match, anybody other than Shogun and Carpet, and it's just like, and Justin scores and we're tied is and in a week you forget about it <laughs> you know um i mean i guess you don't forget about it but you don't you don't think about the call you just think about the moment and you know where where shogun just came up with like this perfect as you said off the cuff emotional response people remember that and and they relate to it because i mean that's when people think about that now all they can think about is Sure, it was a great shot, but this is Rocket League. Yeah, I mean, it. it I kind of equated to. I mean, it's kind of a turning point in terms of like branding and stuff, right? It's like you think about yeah. some of the some of the great calls. Like, there's been a lot from in Formula One. There's been the you know, do you believe in miracles from the, you know, the U.S. versus the Soviets in the Olympics. There's, yep. you know, all kinds of legendary, kind of pinnacle moments in in the commentary for the sport and i i can't imagine that not being at least on the mount rushmore for rocket league commentary yeah and, and the best calls you know when you know when they're rehearsed and you know when they're not and the best ones are the ones that aren't rehearsed you know i mean I, i'm sure we all spend a little bit of time thinking you know what are we going to say in this moment in this moment in this moment but like really the best ones are I don't know what to say. Brain, just vomit something out, and you know, and that's what gets uh, that's what gets remembered and kind of memorialized for uh, time eternal. Yeah, I, I couldn't have said it any better myself. But I, I have one more question for you. Okay. But before that, I would I would just again like to say thank you so much for taking the time to come and talk to us for you know answering all of our questions and i i've thoroughly thoroughly enjoyed myself oh hey my pleasure i i i love the uh kind of the the abundance of of podcasts and content that's been generated over the past year and a half uh and anytime anytime i get to be a part of this stuff it's a treat for me yeah and i mean for ace and i our, our ongoing joke on the show is uh, you know, we're, we're doing this for VIP passes at, at the World Championships. There you go. Because, you know, we, we've thoroughly enjo- we enjoyed being able to, to talk to Coach LVP. I, I can't tell you how, how much I screamed when you DM'd me back on Twitter. Um, just being able to, to kind of talk to some of the people that I've, you know, look up to and idolized, you know, through my time in the scene is, is fantastic. Yeah, hey, like I said, my, my pleasure and... When it comes to those VIP passes, the worst thing they can do is say no. Exactly. There's no reason. You lose nothing by asking. Yeah. But with with that, I will uh, leave you with our last question. Uh, when is it a good idea to go for boost over ball? Ooh. When is it a good idea to go over for boost over ball? 100% of the time. Yes. Always. Every second of every game, ball's going in your net, don't worry about it. Go get the boost and make sure you've got the full 100 to celebrate with the other team. Exactly. Couldn't have said it any better myself. (laughs) 
That's why they do it on kickoffs all the time. Exactly. <laughs> but thank you again so much for taking the time. Um, that's a stupendous answer. It, it, it's worked all right in for me in my career. I am a champion, and that's all that matters. Yeah. I don't need to be a grand champion. I'm a champion. Hey, still better, still top 3%. Yes, sir. <laughs> Gladly. But uh, thank you again. I hope you enjoy the rest of your week, and uh, I look forward to hearing you back on the broadcast once RLCS resumes after this transfer window. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. No problem. We'll catch you later. Adios. Thank you guys again for tuning in to this interview with Stax. Um, from us here at the Boost Over Ball podcast, we'd like to wish everyone a happy holidays. Hopefully everything went well for you guys and an even happier new year. Um, we, we can't thank you all enough for listening and for interacting on Twitter for those of you that did. But if you don't, please give us a follow over on Twitter. The link will be in the episode description. Um, continue to listen to the podcast. Rate five stars wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Uh, thank you guys all again, and as always, remember to choose Boost Over Ball. Thank you for listening to the Boost Over Ball podcast.